Today's reading comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Thank you. Friends, I'm going to start with a confession. Um, you may have a redneck as your pastor, but more on that in a moment. First, let me tell you, hi, I'm Scott. Um, I am the pastor here at Trinity Church Pracker, and I want to start by asking you a question. Here's the question. Um, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Why don't you, why don't you turn to the, someone beside you, someone nearby you, and share with one another, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Let me, uh, <clears throat> let me bring us back together. Is anyone brave enough to share what they wanted to be when they were growing up? Teacher. You want to be a teacher? Didn't quite get there. You're doing doing the other thing that, yep, nursing. Love it. And did that happen, Stuart? <laughs> Wally, Wally and Stuart, you guys can be friends. Excellent. You want to be a chiropractor now, Michael? What's happened with that? Hey, someone's followed through. Well done. You wanted to be a garbo. Did that happen, Rosie? No. Oh, there's, there's still time. There's still time. Um, let me tell you about what I wanted to be when I was growing up. And this is where you find out why maybe, maybe your pastor is a bit of a redneck. Um, when, I wanted to, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> yes, those big, over-muscled guys pretending to fight. I was a fan. I loved it. Um, I wanted it to be, when I told my youth group leader, I was, I was a younger fellow growing up in church, and I told my youth group leader, um, I actually really like pro wrestling. You know what his reaction to me was? His, his response was, do you even plan to graduate from high school? <laughs> Such was his disdain for professional wrestling. But I thought, how good would it be? You know, you're loved by the fans, or if you're the bad guy, you're kind of affectionately hated by the fans, but it's affectionate. You get to travel all over the place, and as you're traveling, that would give you plenty of time to listen to country music megastar Garth Brooks as you travel around. <laughs> I thought this would be the bee's knees. I'll make you the pink pants. Thank you, thank you. 
growing up, we can have so many dreams about what life will be like. But as you get older, often these dreams fade away. Not for Michael, he, 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 he went through with things. But often these dreams fade away. And as you get older, life becomes a little more tricky, isn't it? Uh, I was listening to a podcast recently. This is Someone was talking on the podcast who works at a university, and she's saying that she noticed a profound change as students were coming on campus. They were coming in, these young adults, and, and she's saying they've got more freedoms than anybody in, in history. They're free from their parents, they're free from their teachers, but they're also free from so many of the troubles that plagued the generations before them. And she said, despite all these freedoms, she said these new students are walking onto campus and they're lost. They're lost because they have all these freedoms, all the freedom in the world, more than anyone's had before, but they don't know what to do with it. There's no purpose for them. This whole idea of purpose is a really big thing. People write all sorts of books about it. Um, This one uh, is an example from Vic Stretcher called Life on Purpose. Uh, There's plenty more out there, but, but all of them, they all seem to say the same thing. And it's something like this. They say... Having a sense of purpose in your life is good for you because if you do have a purpose in life, you tend to live longer, be happier, be healthier and sleep better and and, and so on. They list all these positive things about having purpose in life. So they say purpose is really important for us. But the question is then what is my purpose in life? Or, or, Or maybe it's how do I figure out my purpose in life? If something works for you, does that mean it's going to work for me? And what if it doesn't? Or, or, or what if I make something my purpose? Say, for example, to climb to the top of my career path. And I start walking down this, this, this life of where my purpose is to climb to the top of my career. And, but what if it ends up you're walking along and it ends up being really unfulfilling? Do you have to give up on it? Or do you just keep pushing through? And if you do give up, what, what do you have to do then? Do you have to keep just trying something new every time until you find out what really your life should be built around? It can be terribly confusing. So how do you figure out how, what's life all about and how do we get it right? What should I dream for with these 70 or 80 years? What's my purpose in being here? Now, this may not surprise you, but the Bible actually has a whole lot to say on this, doesn't it? And here's the key thing we're going to see from the Bible today. Here's the key thing. The purpose of everything is God being glorified. Now, we saw this in the passage that was read by Stuart a little earlier. There we are. It's a passage that I remember reading as a younger Christian. And from, for the first time, I remember reading this. And, and as I was reading through this passage, the first time I read it, I thought, wow, isn't this amazing? Look at all the things that I get. Look at all the ways that God blesses me. So He chose me. He loved me. He predestined me. He adopted me as his son. He redeemed me. He forgave my sins. He made his plan known to me. He gave me his Holy Spirit. And on and on and on it goes. And he's done all this because of his lavish, rich grace to me. That he gave me not what I deserve, but what I, something that I didn't deserve because of his lavish, rich grace. It's amazing, isn't it? In fact, the Bible is saying that God has given me every spiritual blessing. That's what it says in verse 3. Every spiritual blessing. That is all the things that are mentioned, the the predestined, the adopted, the chosen. These are all God's spiritual blessings to his people. And he doesn't miss any. Which actually tells us something really quite important, doesn't it? 
it tells us that there's no such thing as a second-class Christian. Sometimes you might be able to, you might feel like you're a second-class Christian because you don't seem to have the gifts of someone else or you don't seem to be as involved and in at church as someone else. But, but this is telling us there's no such thing as a second-class Christian. Because it's saying if you are a Christian, if you're someone who followed Jesus, then, then hear this, God has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. You're missing nothing. Spiritually, you cannot be more blessed than you are right now. It is truly an astounding passage. And the first time I read this, I remember thinking to myself, whoa, just look at what God has given me. It is amazing. A little while later, I came back to this passage and I remember reading it again and I noticed that I'd missed something. That something as I read the first time, something I missed it. I don't really know how I missed it because it's there time and time and time again. It's in these two words, in Christ or, or, or in him. Nine times in this passage, it says it over and over again, in Christ, in him, in the one he loves. Because it's making this point. All those spiritual blessings that God has given me, his love, his adoption, his forgiveness, all of it, I only get that in Christ. See, these blessings only come to me because of Jesus. And in fact, without him, spiritually, I've got nothing. Spiritually, I'm bankrupt. Again, it's really saying to us that you can't do Christianity without Jesus. Jesus is the one hope. He is the solid rock. He's the thing to cling on to. He's at the center of who we are and what we do. And so the second time I read this passage from the Bible, I was struck by not what I get, but how central Jesus is in everything that I have as a Christian. Nothing comes without him, but everything comes with him. Sometime later, maybe a year or so later, I came back to this passage again in my reading. And, and this time I thought, well, I've already understood this passage, haven't I? I've had the real breakthrough last time. It wasn't about me. It's about Jesus and all the things that uh, Jesus brings to me. So I thought I got it, but I was in for a surprise. As I read this passage for a third time, I began to see it's actually really all a passage about God and his glory. Because why does God do all of these things? Why does he choose me in Jesus? Why does he redeem me in Jesus? Why does he give me his spirit through Jesus? Why does God give me every spiritual blessing in Christ? Is it because he's got nothing better to do? Is it because he thinks I'm worth it somehow? Maybe it's because he's God and that's just what he's supposed to do, right? But, but no, actually you see the reason why in, in verse 6. He chose, he loved, he predestined, he adopted me. And why? It's to the praise of his glorious grace. Or in verse 12, you see it again. He did it so that we might be for the praise of his glory. Or again in verse 14, God saves me. He gives me his spirit. He gives me an inheritance and a redemption. And why? It's to the praise of his glory glory god gives me every spiritual blessing and he does this in jesus but he does it so that he might be praised god does this god does this so that he might get the glory 
so that he would get the honor and the distinction that only belongs to him. And so really, this is a passage about God. It's a passage that's saying the purpose of everything, or the purpose of the world, the purpose of my life, even the purpose of me being saved, it's all for this, that, that God gets the glory. At which point, you might be thinking something like, I'm not sure I like a God like this. He sounds so arrogant, so caught up in himself. If he's meant to be so good, it would kind of be nice if he was just a little bit more humble. You're right. I mean, it sounds kind of strange to hear of God spoken about like this. But but if you really think about it, it does make sense, doesn't it? Uh, Because if God really is God, and if he really is as good as the Bible says that he is, if he he really is all good and totally holy and so rich in, in, in his generosity and just perfect in every way... If God is really like this, then wouldn't it be right that he gets treated like God? That, that he's not treated just like a, any other person would be? Like someone who's on the same level as you or I? It'd be right, wouldn't it, if God got treated as, well, God, as, as one who really is of a higher quality, a different quality, a higher quality than than you or I. And wouldn't it be right, not just if we treated God in this way, but if God treated himself in this way too, wouldn't it be right if God desired his own honour and glory because he really actually does deserve it. It's right for him. And actually, if God didn't do that, wouldn't he be denying the truth about who he is? When you think about it, it is right for God to be on about his own glory. And that's what we're seeing in this passage from Ephesians. That the purpose of everything is for God to get the glory and the honor and the praise that really only ought to go to him. And in fact, as you read through the Bible, it's not just Ephesians that talks about God in this way. It's all across the Bible. So let me take you to a few places. I'm not going to put the passages on the screen, but I'll put the references on the screen. You can take notes and and look them up later if you want. But think about the Ten Commandments. What's, What's the very first of the commandments? It says, you shall have no other gods before me. Because it isn't right for God to share his glory with another who isn't God. And Jesus repeats this. He's asked, what's the greatest command? He says, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Jesus is saying that God is the one who deserves your praise, your your love, your whole life. Let me take you to a more obscure place in the Old Testament. This is um, talking about God's people, the nation of Israel. They had become unjust and God kind of put them in exile out of their land. But later he decides to bring them back from Babylon and bring them back into their own land. And why does he do that? It's it's, it's not because they deserve it. But it's because of God and his glory. It's because of God's name. And so there's a passage in Ezekiel 36. And the logic goes like this. It says, God God says, because my people aren't aren't in their land, my name is being profaned. So I'm going to bring them back. And this will mean that my name is not being profaned anymore. 
even Israel's return from exile is all about God getting the honor and the glory he deserves. Another place. What do you think is the most famous prayer in the Bible? The Lord's Prayer, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, And what's the first thing that you pray for in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a cry to God saying, God, make your name holy. Take the glory you deserve. God, be treated as God. In our community groups this week, we're going to look at Revelation 4 and 5. Just another part of the Bible where you see the purpose of everything is that God is being glorified. Because this passage in Ephesians that we've just read through is not a one-off. All through the Bible we see again and again that the purpose of everything is that God gets the glory that he rightly deserves. And so this is where we get the idea, this big idea from called magnification. There are two types of magnification. You may know this. There are two types of magnification. The first type is, is what you do with a microscope, right? You, you've got something really small. It's too small for you to see properly. So you put it under a microscope and you magnify it so you can see what it's actually like. The second kind of magnification is, is, is the kind of magnification where you use a telescope. You look through a telescope to see, say, the moon. and The moon is already big, but as you look at it through the telescope, it, it, you, you magnify it. You get a sense of just how big, how grand, how amazing the moon really is. And it's that second kind of magnification. That's the idea with God. We magnify him not because he's small and we need to make him look big, we can magnify God because he's already huge. And so we just want to give him the praise and honor and glory that he really just does deserve. Magnification. Today is the first day in a new series for us at church. The series is called Who Are We? Because over the next five weeks, we're going to see five big ideas. And not just ideas to keep in our heads and to think, oh, you know, that's nice, and move along. These are five big ideas that shape who we are, who we are as a church, but then also who we are as God's people who go around in day-to-day life. And so here today, we've got our first purpose, and, and that is magnification. We are those who magnify God, who make much of him, who want to praise him and give him the honor and give him the glory. And for us, then, this will shape everything about life, our dreams, the ambitions we have for the years that God gives us here, what we desire most deeply, because we want it all to be shaped by this, that desire and passion to see God being glorified, to see God being magnified. According to the Bible, that's the purpose of everything. And so as a church, we want it to be our purpose as well. We want to be a people who magnify God. We've said it already twice today. So this is the third time. This is repetition. Um, our church has a vision. Here, here's our vision on the screen. We want to be a place where we see more and more people passionately living for Jesus. That's really the idea of magnification. That, because uh, magnification says this is what we are passionate about. That we're passionate about God. We're passionate about living for Jesus. The yearning of our hearts is for God to be magnified. That's who we are. And if that is who we are, it's got to shape what we do as a church. 
So let me just take a few minutes now to talk through what magnification means for us as a, as a church. I won't cover everything here, but there are some key, some, some core things I think would be useful for all of us to know. We'll talk about it together. Um, let's, let's do that for a couple of moments now. Uh, we, once a week, we all come together here. That happens on a Sunday. And if our passion, if, our, if the great purpose of everything is that God is to be magnified and glorified, then it makes sense when we are here all together, it makes sense that that passion shapes what we do here on a Sunday. And so we've got a, magnif- a magnification team. Well, often we just call them the, the mag team because we're Australians and we like to shorten everything. Um, but our mag team, Ada has done a brilliant job at getting this, this, this kind of stuff happening. Um, often you'll see Ada running around at the front um, putting things together or being involved. You won't see her today, though. She got married yesterday to Luke. Um, fantastic. Uh, we're very excited for them. Um, we're going to pray for them in a little bit later on. But Ada's got this team together. It's got the music team, the, the Bible readers, the prayers, the sound crew, the people who get up here and help lead our gatherings. But all of them actually, all of these guys actually have the same goal. They're here to help us magnify God. So the, the, the folks that sit up here like Anthea is doing today and lead our gatherings, they work hard during the week. So as they get up, they're helping us lift our eyes off of ourselves and off of the day-to-day and off of the week-to-week things that our, from our minds are taken up with. And they, lift, they help us lift our eyes off of that up to our God, the God who we're passionate about, the God who deserves all glory. And they have the sound crew over here. They, they go to every effort every week so that we as a church can, can all see and hear what's going on because they want to make it easy for, for all of us to, to be part of what's happening here at church. Our Bible readers prepare beforehand so that when, when the word of God is read, we can clearly hear it. We, we can hear the call of God to our hearts and our souls. Our musos, they strive to help us sing out the truths of God that we know. And actually, can I just make a quick aside on singing while we're talking about it? If you're someone who does believe the kind of things that we sing about, do sing. Um, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. He, he was a, a model for this in me. Um, his name was Tim. Uh, Tim is a teacher. He's a Christian. And he loves singing. So at church, he's, he kind of gets enthusiastic and he, well, he belts it out. But the thing is that Tim is never going to win Australian Idol or The Voice or whatever the, the latest thing is called these days. Um, he's just he's, he's, he's not got that nice of a voice. And so I remember talking to him after church one day and he jokingly said to me, I often feel sorry for the people who sit next to me at church because they have to put up with me. Um, it was a joke because Tim's actually got it right. He, he, he understands the point of singing isn't that we can sound like a professional choir that's about to go on tour the world. The point of us singing is, is that we're giving our praise over to God, that we praise God in our hearts and with our voices. And the wonderful gift, the wonderful thing about music is it's a great gift from God, isn't it? It helps capture not just our heads in the words that we sing, but it helps capture the emotional side of us as well. So as we sing words that are true, often music helps our hearts get caught up in that as well. And, and so our heads and our hearts are both engaged in the praise of God. I love that we're doing this as a church. I love being able to hear your voices because as you sing, it spurs me on to know that, remember, Scott, this is not just your thing. This is our thing. We do this together living for Jesus. It spurs me on. And you are reminding me, you are ministering to me 
truths about God as you sing. And even if you don't have a voice like Tim, you're still doing that. And heavens knows, if you stand around me, you know, I don't have a, vo- I don't have a good voice either. I'm like Tim. But singing is such a wonderful thing. And so we've got these mag teams, and they're helping us do this every Sunday so that when we're together, our time is given over to making much of God because God deserves to be made much of. And look, if we're honest, we don't always completely nail this, and there are things we can get better at, and we're a young church, and we will get better as we go along. But magnifying God, that's the purpose of everything. So when we get together here on a Sunday, that's what we want to shape us. We want to make sure we're doing that together, magnifying God with our voices, with our hearts, and with the way that we treat one another as well. But of course, if we're those who are passionate about living for Jesus, if our desires and ambitions and dreams are being shaped by that purpose of magnifying God, then that doesn't just leave us. The passion just doesn't kind of stay in this room and as soon as we walk out those doors, it disappears. It can never be something that just happens on a Sunday. This has to shape who we are all of the time, through all of life. And so magnification affects the way we go about our day-to-day lives. So that when we pray to God, we won't just pray coming to him with a list of things that we want to ask for. We can also spend some time praising God, enjoying who he is as we pray and we tell these things, God, I love you because we praise God for who he is, for what he's done when we pray. And when we read the Bible, we, we, we don't just read so that we can know more things about God. We read so that we can get to know our God personally, deeply, know our God better. And when we do, we can't help but grow in, grow in our love for God. And, and, and so that praise just kind of overflows naturally from us. And when we go to work, we don't just go to work to earn a wage and feed our families, but we go to work in a way that honors God in front of our people at our workplace. And as parents, we don't just go through the motions with our kids, but we seek to raise up kids who know God, who, who also want to join us in living passionately for Jesus with their lives. And not just those who use our time and our money for whatever we feel like at the time, but we use these things as good stewards, as, as those who want to maximize the praise and glory that God gets. Not maximize our bank balance. We want to maximize the praise and glory that God gets. Not maximize just our rest time or couch time. We want to use our money, our time, our energy to maximize the praise and glory of God. And yes, that does mean taking rest. But that's not our main goal. We rest so that we can continue to glorify and praise and magnify our God. Because our ambitions have changed. We're not those who are on about career advancement anymore. We're not on about personal success our ambitions have changed so now that we're ambitious for god we're ambitious for god and his honor in this world our dreams have changed that life now is not about us and what we can achieve and becoming a professional wrestler life's actually about god it's about god getting what he's rightly what he rightly deserves the praise that only he should have Can you see how this purpose really changes everything about life? Who are we? Friends, as a church, 
And if you're a follower of Jesus, I want, I want to encourage you as well. In your own life, who are we? We are those who magnify God. We are those who make much of God. So I just want to end by then leaving this question with you. How are you going to let this purpose of magnification, how are you going to let this purpose shape your life? Let me pray for us. God, our God, we know no one like you. Every person that we meet has flaws, but you have none. When we look inside our own hearts, we see things that we're not proud of. When we look at you, we see only goodness. We see only truth. We see only beauty. And so we want to just turn and praise you for who you are. God, our words of praise now aren't all the praise we want to give. We also want to give you our lives so that we would be those who magnify you when we're here at church, but also when we're going about our lives during the week, when we're at home, when we're at work, when we're with friends. God, that you would be the one we seek to honour and magnify. Please help us as a church always do this never looking to our own glory, but always to yours. And please help us in our own lives to be ambitious, not for ourselves, but for you who loved us, who gave your son for us, you who is truly worthy of all praise and honour. Father, hear our prayers now and lead us by your spirit to be your people this week and always. In Jesus' name, amen.